Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. And welcome to the Kojiko Inc. and Kojiko Communications Inc. Q2 2021 earnings conference call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Monsieur Patrice Wimay, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Kojiko Inc. and Kojiko Communications Inc. Please go ahead, Monsieur Wimay. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a second quarter conference call, which Philippe Jeté and I will present. So before we begin this call, as usual, I'd like to remind listeners that the call is subject to forward-looking statements, which can be found in our press releases issued yesterday. I'll turn the call over now to Philippe Jeté. Merci, Patrice. Good morning, and thank you for joining us to discuss the financial results of Kojiko Communications and Kojiko Inc. Let me first note that we continue to be very pleased with the overall performance of Kojiko for the second quarter of 2021, as both our Canadian and American broadband segments showed continued organic growth in revenue and even stronger organic growth in EBITDA compared to the second quarter of last year. We have, been, we have seen continued growth in our internet customer base with a majority of new customers opting for internet speeds of 100 megabit per second and more, and a good portion of our existing customer base upgrading their service over the last year, highlighting the importance of our fixed broadband product. In addition, the acquisition of of Diri Telecom, completed by Kojiko Connection on December 14, 2020, and the Thames Valley, acquisition completed by Atlantic Broadband on March 10, 2020, also contributed to our growth. Similar to the previous quarter, EBITDA has organically grown at a greater pace than revenue, partly due to a reduction of certain operational expenses resulting from a more stable customer base as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition, certain sales and marketing expenses were deferred to the second half of the year in both countries when market activity is projected to return to a normal level. As for our radio operations, they continue to be negatively impacted by the pandemic, but results are nevertheless according to expectations. Let's review more details, starting with Kojiko Connection's recent development the acquisition of Diri Telecom, the third largest cable operator in the province of Quebec, closed on December 14 and contributed to the quarter's growth. The integration is progressing as planned and should generate superior growth relative to our current Canadian operations as we further invest in sales and marketing to improve penetration rates and pursue Diri Telecom's network expansion plan. We launched in mid-January a marketing campaign for our new IPTV service called Epico, 
which focus on attracting new customers and upselling a portion of our existing customer base as we gradually migrate them over time. The launch of this service has enabled us to enhance the customer experience and reduce churn. We are not only expanding our service offerings, but we are also continuing to expand our geographical reach through network extensions in unserved and underserved areas. In addition to several other projects announced over the last year, we were very proud to announce on March 22nd that we will carry out 13 fiber-to-the-home network expansion projects in several regions of Quebec in collaboration with the federal and provincial governments. These regional infrastructure projects represent an investment of approximately $240 million, of which $208 million will come in the form of government grants. Once these projects are completed, more than 54,000 homes and businesses will be connected to Kojiko Connections Network, representing a 3% increase in home pass. Kojiko will focus its offering on high-speed internet, but will also offer telephony, video services through its newly implemented IPTV platform. These fully digital infrastructure investment projects are scheduled to be completed by September 2022. Including the recent announcement, Kojiko has now been awarded a total of 40 projects in Quebec and Ontario, which will accelerate our growth over the next couple of years. We are also awaiting decisions on several additional network expansion projects submitted as part of our various government-sponsored programs aimed at providing high-speed internet to underserved and unserved areas. The Ontario government has just announced in its last budget that it will spend an additional $2.8 billion to bring broadband access to more people across the province by 2025. This brings the province's total investment to nearly $4 billion over, the, over a six-year period. Kojiko's deep roots in regions and rural communities in Ontario and Quebec should continue to contribute to its success in securing grants to help close the gap in digital access. In the Canadian industry, we have also seen the recent announcement of a transaction between Rogers and Shaw, one that would, as structure, eliminate the fourth wireless competitor in a number of markets across Canada. Lawmakers have already indicated the Rogers-Shaw combination will be subject to close regulatory scrutiny. For Kojiko's part, we will follow very closely developments as the approval process unfolds. It will involve the Competition Bureau, the CRTC, and ISED. This proposed merger has underscored how urgent it is for the federal government to take clear policy steps in the wireless sector that can finally deliver increased competition for all Canadians. To that end, Kojiko has proposed a balanced, middle ground regulatory solution, the HMNO, Hybrid Mobile Network Operator Model. 
This model will allow more regional network builders to participate in Canada's wireless market and has received support from over 300 communities in Ontario and Quebec already. It will encourage ongoing investments to expand and improve Canada's wireless networks while bringing new wireless services to underserved and, under, and unserved Canadians. We continue to be interested to add mobile services to our offer, given the right circumstances, and maintain LT competition in this sector. Finally, as published by the Government of Canada, Kojiko Connection has filed its application to participate in the Spectrum auction in the 3500 MHz band. The auction is scheduled to start on June 15, 2021, and as clearly stated by the rules of this auction, we cannot comment any further about the auction. Now turning to Atlantic Broadband. We are very pleased with the strong financial performance over the last two quarters, as sustained investments over the last few years have paid off. We have built a strong foundation for continued growth in the coming years, with the successful integration of several acquisitions, a significant Florida ex network expansion, network investments where a one gig service is now offered essentially everywhere, and the ongoing digital transformation and customer service enhancements. During the last quarter, Atlantic Broadband continued to launch several initiatives to both improve the overall customer experience as well as to drive operational efficiencies. On the customer side, revisions to our call centers involving improved call routing, additional e-care options, expanding chat capabilities, and further IVR optimization have simplified customer interactions. In addition, we continue to invest in digitization efforts through the use of predictive data analysis and artificial intelligence and increased self-service capabilities, we have made initial strides to fully utilize the strengths of our network to improve customer service and reduce operational expense on the longer term. As for service offering, the main focus in the last quarter has been to fully launch a new broadband-first offer strategy, along with a new N-enhanced Wi-Fi solution across the footprint. This new offer puts broadband at the center of the customer experience. We expect that it will also gradually lead to an improvement in customer satisfaction, margins, and customer lifetime value. As for Kojiko Media, its financial performance continued to be impacted by weaker advertising markets due to the pandemic. However, results were as expected as we continue to maintain our financial discipline. We should be well positioned for growth when the advertising markets recovers, as our listeners continue to put us to put many of our radio stations at the top of the numerous ranking during the last quarter. 
I will now let Patrice discuss our financial results. Thank you, Philip. Um, so in terms of the revenue at uh, Kojiko Communications, uh, the results are up 9.8% uh, and EBITDA up 12.2% in constant currency compared to the last year. This was driven by EBITDA growth of 11.2% at Kojiko Connection and 12.4% at Atlantic Broadband. Free cash flow increased by 14.2% in constant currency. The increase is mainly due to higher EBITDA and a decrease in financial expenses when excluding the non-cash interest gain last year, partly offset by an increase in current income taxes and capital expenditures. Capital intensity in the quarter was 18.2%, which is slightly lower than the 20% intensity we expect for the full fiscal year. We are reconfirming current year's financial guidelines, which were revised last quarter to include the Devi Telecom acquisition and reflect higher organic growth expectations. On a constant, uh, in a constant currency basis, we continue to expect mid to high single digit percentage growth in revenue and adjusted EBITDA and low double digit percentage growth in free cash flow. As mentioned, we purposely deferred some sales and marketing activities to the second half of the year for when we return to more normal operations post-pandemic. Those expenses will impact EBITDA, which has otherwise been growing at a double-digit uh, rate for the first six months of the year. When we announce our next quarterly results in July, we will be in a better position to provide more information on the fiscal 2022 financial impact of various fiber network expansion initiatives in both countries. The expansion program includes government-sponsored projects, which we would not otherwise be able to undertake profitably on our own, as well as plans to extend our network at ABB uh, in attractive adjacent areas to our footprint, which is something we've been doing in Florida for a number of years. The expansions in both countries are expected to increase our capital intensity next year, but also increase our footprint at a higher rate than usual. We believe that those projects are attractive investments done in conjunction with other capital allocation priorities, which includes acquisitions, investing in the business, and paying dividends. As for share buybacks, Kojiko Communications ceased uh, buying back shares at the beginning of the first quarter as a result of the proposed uh, acquisition of the company. However, in the second quarter, we have resumed the program and purchased 313,000 shares for $35 million. Now, let's look at the individual components. In Canada, Kojiko Connections revenue increased by 10.1% in constant currency relative to the same quarter last year, while adjusted EBITDA increased by 11.2%. Excluding the impact of the Telecom, revenue and EBITDA have grown by 29 and 4.7% respectively. Organic revenue growth resulted from the cumulative effect of sustained demand for a residential high-speed internet since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, resulting in higher customer additions and also customers transitioning to higher value offerings, as well as rate increases implemented for certain services. 
The superior organic EBITDA growth was partially due to some sales and marketing activities being deferred to the second half of the year in the context of the pandemic, but also savings resulting from the operational optimization program implemented in the fourth quarter of last year. The broadband customer additions were strong compared to last year, and our crews were also higher due to more sales of higher-tiered products. The video product losses uh, were lower than last year, partly thanks to the new Epico ITTV launch. And finally, the phone losses were in line with historical trends, except that last year was unusually strong. Now, turning to Atlantic Broadband, revenue and constant currency increased by 9.5% in the second quarter compared to last year, while EBITDA increased 12 0.4%. Excluding the Things Valley acquisition, revenue and EBITDA have grown by 8 and 11% respectively in constant currency. Starting next quarter, uh, the Things Valley acquisition will be included in last year's numbers and will be comparable. Organic revenue growth comes mainly from higher residential internet customer additions, rate increases implemented for certain services, and continued business services growth. Similar to Kojiko Connection, Atlantic Broadband deferred some certain sales and marketing expenses to the second half of the year due to the COVID situation, which partially explains the EBITDA's overperformance in the quarter. Broadband customer additions were higher than last year due to the continued strong demand for the product. The video customer decline is mainly related to the new broadband first sales uh, strategy, and also the fact that we do not offer video-only services anymore, generally. The phone uh, product was uh, softer than planned in our new approach, but this is something we've addressed since uh, the end of the last quarter. Now, turning at, uh, 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 taking a look at uh, Kojiko Inc., in the second quarter, consolidated revenue increased by 8.5% and EBITDA by 11.8% in constant currency. While the broadband business had very strong results, the media business continued to be impacted by the pandemic due to certain segments of the retail industry reducing their advertising activities. Revenue related to radio operations decreased by 23.5% during the quarter compared to last year. However, we continue to closely monitor our costs and expect the radio's EBITDA decline in the full year to be modest versus the prior year. I will now turn, uh, I'll turn to Philip to provide his concluding remarks. Thank you, Patrice. On the basis of a strong second quarter, fiscal year 2021 looks very promising as we will continue to manage our costs closely and pursue profitable growth through leveraging the full potential of recent acquisitions, continuing to expand our networks, and pursuing various other organic initiatives. Proforma, the Dairy Telecom acquisition, our 2.4 times net leverage leaves ample room for other acquisitions and share buybacks. Finally, I would like to highlight Kojiko's continued commitment to environmental and social issues as it has been recognized and endorsed by a number of leading organizations over the last quarter. In January, Kojiko was included in the Corporate Knights list of 
the global 100 most sustainable corporations for a second year in a row, gaining 20 ranking points. In addition, Kojiko was proud to announce that its new emission reduction targets were approved by the Science-Based Target Initiative. As consistent with levels required to meet the most ambitions, uh, ambitious goals of the Paris Agreement. This makes Kojiko the first and only telecommunications company in Canada with approved targets from SBT, which highlights our leadership and the rigor of our approach. As part of its global climate ambitions, Kojiko has also joined other corporate leaders representing more than 3.6 trillion in market cap in signing the business ambition for 1.5 degrees Celsius commitment. Furthermore, Kojiko received a 2020 climate change score of A- from CDP, which puts us in the leadership band for implementing best practices in measuring, understanding, and addressing corporate climate impacts. And now we will be happy to answer your questions. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Your first question will come from Vince Valentini from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks very much. Congrats on another uh, good quarter, guys. A um, couple questions. One, uh, probably for Patrice. The delay in uh, SG&A costs into the second half of the year, I guess we only have about four and a half months left uh, here in uh, our part of Canada. We're, we're still pretty well locked down. Do you Have you started to spend that money? Is it realistic that you'll play catch-up, or is that maybe slip into 2022? Uh, hi Vince. Uh, no, we do expect to uh, we do expect to spend it um, probably uh, more in Q4 than in Q3. Uh, so that's why we uh, we maintain our guidance. Uh, and also in the U.S., obviously, as you know, uh, um, I would say most of the states are back to normal or close to back to normal. Um, Canada is uh, going to take a bit more time, but uh, over the next few months, we do expect that the situation will change. Uh, the other thing to note as well is when you compare it to last year uh, in Q3 and Q4, 
Uh, we will have the smaller acquisition in the U.S., uh, Thames Valley, that will be uh, there, uh, at, which was not the case in Q1 and Q2. And also uh, in Q4 of last year in Canada, we did highlight the $4 million non-recurring gain relating to programming costs and some COVID expenses, uh, which, is, uh, which is something that would not be uh, there this year when you do the uh, comparison. Thank you. Um, a second question is, all of these new wins you're getting in the government programs for rural and underserved areas, can you just clarify how these work once the networks are built? Do you have full control of the operation and full autonomy to, to price and market any way you choose, or does the government have some some clause attached given how much of the money they're putting up? Well, they, they, they are um, simply extensions of our existing network, so from a network point of view, it is just an extension, um, except we are uh, going to all co complete all of them in a fiber, um, a full digital fiber to the home uh, mode. So that's for the network part. Now for pricing, uh, we have to be aligned to uh, the uh, large urban centers, but there are no pricing regulation at this point. We simply have to be uh, fair and aligned to uh, to all other centers in Canada. Excellent. And and last, uh, I'll leave the wireless and if you know stuff to others. But the um, the spectrum auction, you can't talk about it. But can you clarify, in all of your regions where you are the incumbent cable company, if if you added all those up, what would the minimum reserve price be for? for the 50 megahertz of, of set-aside spectrum? Sorry, Vince, I can't comment on this at this time, given the rules auction. Okay. I'll pass it on. Thanks. Your next question comes from Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, as um, Philippe, you mentioned, um, the company's at a very good state when it comes to the balance sheet. So there's a lot of strategic initiatives in front of you. Can you um, or, or uh, Patrice talk a little bit about the return profile um, of the various possible opportunities that's in front of you? Um, you talked a lot about rural broadband expansion, talked a bit about wireless. Um, you don't have to talk about the spectrum, but just wireless services in general. Um, and maybe U.S. acquisition. How do you? What's the return profile of each of those? Like, how do we think about the pecking order and the priorities? Thanks. I'll let Patrice go in more details, but um, it's important that we don't lose sight of the context of the pandemic. Uh, it's changing the game in many different places. So on the U.S. side, the um, there's a stronger and faster economic recovery. This will certainly help. Um, all products to come back to normal uh, where we can continue our growth. On the Canadian side, as Patrice just mentioned, uh, it will be uh, maybe as strong, but certainly delayed compared to the U.S. footprint. Uh, in terms of uh, priorities, uh, we are active on all fronts. Uh, it's not as if we have to choose uh, necessarily one uh, versus another, uh, which is a good place to be given our balance sheet and the, our cash flow uh, situation, which is uh, which provides an ability to invest. 
Um, we're always interested in, looking, in looking at uh, M&A opportunities, as you know, and we've been active in, uh, especially in the U.S., but uh, including in Canada recently, uh, especially with Dairy Telecom. Um, so this will continue. Uh, these uh, assets are not always for sale, um, and uh, we have a list. Uh, and when we have a, uh, when we're invited to look at some uh, potential assets for sale, we uh, we get involved and and we see if there's a uh, a good return to do, and, and that has to do with uh, the quality of the asset, uh, the area where it is, the penetration rates. Uh, obviously, the asking price uh, plays into it as well, so it, it depends. But I would say we, uh, we uh, are generally active on that front. In terms of uh, network deployment, there is clearly an opportunity in Canada right now where uh, various levels of government want to ensure that uh, uh, that consumers that don't have access to high-speed internet uh, are uh, provided disability. And uh, Quebec was uh, came out with a very large program recently. Uh, Ontario has different programs, and the federal level has different programs as well. Um, so now's the time to do it. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, this will be true in five or ten years. Uh, so we're actively participating in it. Uh, in the U.S., it's, uh, we also uh, participate in some government uh, uh, programs, so the RDOF program. Uh, there's a bit uh, more players there, uh, so it, it really depends on where we did. And there are some other areas where we are simply uh, extending our network like we've been doing in Florida. So uh, we see opportunities uh, to do there. And lastly, in mobile, that's, that's a bigger question that will depend on uh, what happens, especially on the regulatory front. Uh, and then we'll have to be able to uh, determine uh, what kind of uh, uh, business and returns we want to generate in that business if we, get, if we do get into it. If I may just follow up on that last point, um, the CRTC MVNO decision looks like it's coming out in the coming days. Um, can we just revisit um, that one for a second? Um, you guys have put forward an HMNO proposal. Um, it's a very reasonable, sound proposal. But what's what's next if the CRTC does not come out with a decision that is similar to that HMNO? Does that mean that um, you forego wireless? Does that mean you look for alternatives? How should we think about what the next step is, given that decision is kind of right in front of us? Thanks. Yeah. So, Jeff, we won't speculate of what it could be or could not be, but uh, the HMNO proposal uh, has received already a lot of support. It might be called differently by other players in the Canadian ecosystem, but it, it, it's a proposal that actually puts um, uh, equilibrium between investment, innovation, and competition. So, this is what uh, the lawmakers need to, to achieve. Uh, of course, it needs to create uh, a reasonable return, a fair return for all players in the ecosystem. But investment, uh, innovation, and competition are the three items to balance. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Aravinda Galapathij from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, on um, the first question is uh, with respect to uh, 
the upgrades uh, that you talked about uh, in the internet product uh, during the pandemic, obviously you were uh, benefiting from uh, sort of the uptiering of those products. Um, as we think about the tail end of the pandemic for the U.S., are you starting to see those upgrades perhaps taper off or are you still, you know, as recently as let's say the last quarter, you're still seeing a steady rate of upgrades? I just wanted to get an update on that front. And um, secondly, uh, we know that, um, you know, your competitor, your telco competitor has sort of indicated a stepped up, um, you know, broadband expansion, both on the fiber front as well as fixed wireless, uh, perhaps a little bit early, but I was wondering if you're starting to see some of that activity in your footprint uh, that is uh, that is notable. Thank you. So, well, thanks for that question. Uh, the, the, the the pandemic has certainly induced some change, but uh, we think they are uh, they are going to injure. Subscribe new subscriber coming uh, in the broadband ecosystem uh, from weaker networks uh, or especially weaker technologies to uh, to 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 very capable uh, networks like the ones we're deploying, uh, providing 100 and and, and more megabit per second up to a gig. So there will continue to be an inflow of people wanting very fast internet service. On the upgrade, same thing. Uh, there are more and more devices in the home. There's the, the, the video um, that, uh, that is also uh, moving to the IPTV platform. So th there is more demand for very high speeds. So 100 and more, we, we, we have 100, 120 almost everywhere today. Uh, in many, many different cities and places, our networks are one gigabit capable. So the, there's a good runway for upgrades, for continued upgrades, and the demand is, is, is certainly healthy. The pandemic, to me, has simply accelerated and induced um, more, more upgrades. What's uh, interesting as well to notice is that we are gaining also customers coming from pure mobile. They used to be satisfied with the data mobile package, but now clearly it's uh, not satisfactory. They're expensive. They have um, a very limited amount of data. And now we're seeing as well some customers uh, coming from the mobile ecosystem wanting more uh, gigabytes per month and steady connections. Thank you. And uh, just a quick follow-up on the wireless matter uh, from the previous discussion. Um, I just wanted to clarify, you know, given the Shaw Rogers announcement, um, I know that historically your interest with respect to wireless was mainly with respect to your cable uh, footprint. Um, has that plan changed at all? I mean, if there's an opportunity to extend a little bit beyond your footprint, perhaps at a provincial level, and I'm not so I'm not talking about uh, a national expansion, is that also of interest to you, or are you very much still is your plan very much along the lines of your cable footprint? Yeah, this uh, this uh, Rogers shop proposal will certainly be scrutinized for many many months. Uh, with lawmakers, um, we, we, we will analyze and look at uh, the, the, the all possibilities. And I've mentioned many times that there is certainly an advantage when you have a wired network to, uh, to put a mobile layer on top. But um, 
uh, as of today, first let's let's see what the CRTC will uh, will publish this uh, this week if, if if the decision comes on uh, our HMNO proposal this uh, this Thursday, and. Um, Given the auction rules, again, uh, we can't. We're not at liberty to con to fully comment on your question. Thank you very much. I'll pass the line. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your next question will come from Jérôme Dubreuil from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Bonjour, messieurs. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, first question uh, is on the Biden infrastructure plan. Uh, we've seen the proposed tax increase, uh, but also a possible $100 billion in broadband funding, with, however, some wording on the government's goal to ensure affordability. Can you, can you comment on your initial view of the potential impact of the plan as proposed on your business? Yeah, sure. Hi, Joe. Uh, so, yes, on the tax front, uh, you'll remember that about three years ago, the tax rates have decreased uh, in the U.S., and at that point, we did record a non-cash uh, tax gain. Uh, I think it was 73 million U.S. If uh, the tax rate does increase from what we understand to be 21 to 28 percent uh, in the future, uh, then the reverse would happen. We would book a non-tax gain loss. It would be a smaller amount. Um, so that's probably the uh, the extent of it for us. Uh, there's a discussion on minimum tax rates as well, but we have a given all the acquisitions we've done, we have a number of uh, of uh, assets that can shield taxes and tax losses as well. So we're not uh, currently taxable in the U.S. Uh, as uh, as relates to the network expansion, uh, I would say this is good news. Typically, the way these uh, programs are structured is that it creates an opportunity to extend networks, just like in Canada, in areas where customers or residents don't have access to high-speed internet. So either they have nothing with wireline or they have something that's, uh, that's very slow, uh, especially on DSL. Um, so this could be an opportunity for us to extend our network. We'll have to see uh, what, this, what it means uh, in reality and how it translates into programs. Um, but we're not really seeing it as a threat, but as an opportunity. Okay, thanks. And then uh, still in the U.S., uh, I, I think it looks pretty clear that FX will be a headwind next quarter. Uh, can you explain a bit how this affects your view on the cost side and uh, if there are hedges in place? Yeah, so the way we manage, uh, and there's also even a page in our uh, investor presentation if you want to look at it, but the way we manage our um, foreign exchange exposure is we try to be fairly neutral from a free cash flow standpoint. And a large portion of, this, of it is done through borrowing in U.S. dollars, which will shield cash flows uh, from our U.S. entity. Uh, we do have some financial instruments as well from time to time, but I would say the, the bulk of it is U.S. borrowings. Um, you're right that in terms of revenue and EBITDA, these are things that we cannot shield. Uh, so they will get uh, impacted temporarily by changes in uh, foreign exchange rates. But uh, again, uh, free cash flow is, uh, has very minimal impacts. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Drew McReynolds from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, two follow-ups uh, for you, Patrice, and then uh, maybe one for Philippe on the 
just some housekeeping on, on the FX side, uh, in terms of interest expense and, and depreciation amortization at the consolidated level, just remind us, um, you know, how the, the higher Canadian dollar is, is, is impacting those long items. And, and secondly, on the sales and marketing, um, I, I can't recall if, you know, this has been kind of quantified in terms of uh, the savings or, you know, the absence of dollars that, that you've spent due to COVID. Uh, is there anything you could kind of un- unpack for us uh, relative to the underlying cost efficiencies that you're getting across the business? Sure. <clears throat> On the second question, uh, we have not quantified the sales and marketing um, as we're not quantifying even the, the base amount, obviously, that, we, uh, that we, uh, is included in our cost. Um, that being said, if you want to have some uh, view of where we're heading, uh, we have obviously the guidelines for the full year. Uh, but as we've said uh, on the last call, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it uh, again today uh, to reconfirm it. If you look at uh, Kojiko Connection and ABB in constant dollars, uh, we would expect that the EBITDA would be mid to high single-digit growth year over year, uh, and that's true for both countries. Now, Canada does include the uh, daily acquisition. Um, and uh, as you know, for the first six months, we've been running at a higher rate than this in the two countries. Um, so, uh, so you you can uh, triangulate what uh, should be the growth rate in the second half of the year. Um, in terms of uh, FX, um, or we we do have a, a dollar impact of FX rates in our MDMA. Uh, more at the EBITDA level. Uh, so I'm not sure I have a, an answer for you for financial expenses uh, directly, but I can comment on what we did in uh, the second quarter. So last year was $35 million in terms of financial expenses. If you do exclude um, a special gain we had on, a, on the refinancing we did last year of $23 million. And that decreased to 31.8 million this year. So it's a reduction of 3 million. And that has to do with lower interest rates and also a reduction in the overall uh, debt level. I'm not sure if it answers your question. I'm happy to uh, add more comments on this. That, that, that's fine, uh, Patrice. We can take that uh, offline. Um, and maybe uh, one for you, Philip, on the, um, just on the wireless side, uh, I think the, the horse has been kind of beaten here in the Canadian side until we, we get more information here. Um, can you just provide an update on your, your latest thoughts on wireless uh, in the U.S. and, you know, the importance of, um, you know, g- getting that kind of uh, uh, service in some way, shape or form onto your offering uh, over time? Thank you. Yes, for the wireless, um, for wireless in the U.S., um, we and we've said that before. We we have good opportunities and and other priorities right now that uh, we, we think uh, we should get at before um, spending more time uh, investigating both fixed wireless access for broadband expansion as well as uh, mobile introduction. So we will get there, um, but we have other priorities uh, in network plans. Um, investment and customer experience as well as M&A that are more uh, that are higher on our priority list for the US market at this point 
um, uh, and not to forget the uh, investments uh, we're making in Florida. So there, there's a number of good leads in the U.S. that uh, we will continue to, to explore before getting there. Got it. Thank you very much. We have no further questions in queue. I'd like to turn the call back over to the presenters for any closing remarks. Okay, well, thanks everyone for uh, being there today. Uh, we're looking forward to meeting with you again in the third uh, for the third quarter results in July. And feel free to reach out if you have any further questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.